Good morning. Well, we're getting back to our studies in the book of Acts today. At the end of chapter 4 and beginning of chapter 5, we're going to read another story about the early church, what it was like right back at the beginning to follow Jesus and be part of his new community, part of his kingdom. Today's story is all about the outside matching the inside. It's about integrity. I wonder if you've ever had a disappointment. Like I remember as a kid thinking that chocolate Easter eggs were full and solid chocolate. So when you get one, it feels a little bit suspiciously light and then you break it open and you realize it's just a shell, which is nice. You have plenty of chocolate in an Easter egg, but wouldn't it be amazing if it was solid all the way through? Or football shirts we used to get when I was a kid growing up in Southeast Asia. You'd go and get one from the market pretty cheap. Good Man United shirt, Liverpool shirt, if you're into that kind of thing. But wash it once and all of the sponsors will start to peel off. You'll lose the button. It just begins to look a little bit misshapen because it's not the real thing. It looks like it to begin with. But deep down inside, it was a fake. Didn't have integrity. Well, that's what the story is about today. Let me read it to you. We're going to start from chapter 4, verse 32 in the book of Acts. This is a story of two halves, a story of how it should be, and then a story of how it went wrong. Acts chapter 4, verse 32. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there was no needy person among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought that money from the sale and put it to the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. What a beautiful vision that is. Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned, brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. It's a beautiful picture, isn't it? Of a community that is united, a community that shares everything. Whenever somebody has need, somebody would sell and bring what they had and give it for the building up of the body of Christ. Um, Barnabas is a man who's all in, who doesn't ask the question, well, how much can I spare? After, you know, after I'm done consuming and buying and having everything that I need and want, how much do I have spare for others? Doesn't ask that question. He asks, what's it going to take? What's it going to take to build up the body of Christ, to let poor people share in the goodness of God's creation? What's it going to take to make it possible that, that no needy people exist among us in our community? That's a, quite a striking thing to say, isn't it? That there was no needy people among them, no needy person. I wonder what would it take for us to make that happen among us? among our community, in our town, in our country, what would we need to sell and give so that others could have plenty, so that others could participate in the, just the generosity and the goodness of God and all he's given to us in creation? Well, that's the first section, all united together, one heart, one mind, one generous giving community. But then it seems to go wrong. Right? Luke doesn't airbrush what the church was like at the beginning. Many of the stories about the early church that we get, they're ideal, they're beautiful, they really are wonderful pictures. You want to be at a church like that. But Luke isn't writing a piece of propaganda. Luke isn't wanting to airbrush the kind of sordid and, and dark episodes that there were in the early church as well. So you get the beauty in Barnabas and then you get the, the hypocrisy 
in Ananias and Sapphira. Let's carry on and read into chapter 5. Now, a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you've lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You've not lied just to human beings, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body and carried him out and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, tell me, is this the price that you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that's the price. Peter said to her, how could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young men came in and finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. It's a sad story, isn't it? It's a really sad story. Like I said, Luke doesn't skip telling us about these um, really hard and dark episodes in the early church. Uh, he wants to tell you what it's like to be a part of the church. That all of us have a bit of Ananias and Sapphira in us. All of us love to be thought well of. But all of us, to be honest, are hypocrites. All of us fail. All of us deserve what they got. It's only by the mercy of God, by the grace of God, that any of us can stand. But let's get into it a little bit more. It's a sad story. It's a shocking story. I wonder if it's one that you haven't heard before. Maybe it took your breath away. But something like this, something so dark and ugly could happen after something so beautiful. But let's get into trying to understand it a little bit better together. What's the problem? What did Ananias and Sapphira do? Is the problem that they didn't share everything that they had? that they got the death penalty for not giving everything they had. Should you sell everything and give it all? And if you don't, is that something that risks your eternal life with God? Well, no, that's not the lesson. Okay, the problem isn't it. Peter says this. The problem isn't that they kept back some money from themselves necessarily. He says to them, did you hear that in verse four? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? You didn't have to sell it. And when you did sell it, wasn't that money at your disposal? You didn't have to give all of it. So what was the problem? What had they done? Well, what they'd done was lied to God. Did you hear that? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. You've, in verse 9, conspired to test the spirit of the Lord. What they had done, presumably, was promise that money to the church. What they'd done was said... Okay, well, there's a need that had come up. Somebody had fallen into poverty. Something needed to be done. And they had agreed to sell that field and to give it all to God. That's what's going on here. They had dedicated this, that um, money, all of it, to God. They'd given it to him. And then after that, they conspired together. Ananias and Sapphira, in full knowledge of each other, had said, actually, let's make it look like we've given everything. Let's 
make sure we have that good reputation, like Barnabas had, who they gave him a nickname, Son of Encouragement. Somebody who was just so good, who was all in, who gave everything that he had to the church to build up Christ's body. Well, we want that kind of reputation. We want to be thought of well by the people in the church. And that's who really counts anyway, isn't it? The people in the church. And so let's sell it. Tell them we're giving everything, but keep back a little bit of ourselves. We don't know exactly what was going on in their hearts. Maybe it was that. Maybe it was that they wanted that reputation. Maybe it was that they were worried for the future and they didn't trust God. And so they kept back some for themselves. They didn't trust others in the church to look after them. They didn't trust God. Maybe it was a little flashback to Adam and Eve in the garden. Why Satan came along to them and said, you've got to look after yourselves. You can't trust God. He's not that good. Where Satan came along and lied to them and made them lie to God and to each other that this was really the good life. This was really how you should get on. And they turned away from God and they hid themselves and they thought that they could get away with it. But instead, instead, instead of finding life, instead of finding security, they found death and darkness and coldness and sadness. The story of Ananias and Sapphira is the story of Adam and Eve. To be honest, it's the story of each one of us, isn't it? That we doubt God's goodness. And so we take and keep back what we should give to others to make sure that we're okay. Or the story of lying, of wanting to put up a front in front of others, of wanting to be thought of really well, of wanting to be people who have a good reputation, of caring more about the reputation of people then we care about honesty before God. Isn't that each one of us? Maybe we haven't sold anything recently and, um, and kind of stolen from God in such a blatant and obvious way as this. But I think all of us have that streak of hypocrisy through us. If you're anything like me, you'll have that. Stuff that we want to hide from each other. Ways that we just speak to make ourselves look a little bit better in front of others. If you're a Christian, maybe you've said in church before, yeah, I'll pray, I'll pray about that for you. And then we just completely forgot. And we kind of like to have other people think about us as praying people, as people who are serious about caring for each other's needs. But often we just say those kind of things to make ourselves feel better or to make ourselves look better in front of other people. It's a really serious thing that we do when we don't live united lives that are full of integrity, when we live divided lives instead, when we're not really of one heart with others like to make it look as if we are. When we're not really of one mind with one another, we like to make it look as if we are. When we're not really as generous as we could be, as we should be, but we like to make it look as if we are. You see what Ananias and Sapphira were doing? It's not that you have to give everything that you have right now. It's not that being a Christian means being a communist, selling everything that you have and giving it to the central authority. You don't have to do that. Ananias didn't have to do that. Sapphira didn't have to do that. But what they did was promise it all, make it look as if they were, and then keep some back. But the problem is, you see, they didn't just lie to the people in the church. They didn't just rob from the poor. They lied to God and they robbed from God. They thought that the people were the ones who ran the church, that their, their reputation before the people in the church was what was important. But really, Jesus is the one who runs the church. And it's his opinion of us that's most important of all. And they learned that lesson the hard way. Ananias and Sapphira got what they deserved. Ananias and Sapphira got what you and I deserve. 
They turned away from God. They mocked him. They robbed from him. And he said, okay, your will be done. You don't want to have anything to do with me? You want to pretend in front of me? Okay, well, have your life the way that you want it. Far, far away from me. Far, far away from the source of life. And they drop down dead. It's a really sad and shocking story, isn't it? Maybe it's a story that challenges our view of how serious sin is. If we were offended by this and read through it and thought, how could God do such a thing? It wasn't that bad, was it? Well, this should be a story that makes us stop in our tracks and think, have I really taken seriously how dark hypocrisy is? How dark my own heart is? How serious it is to lie to God? To cheat him? To hold back from him any part of our lives? It's a really serious thing not to be giving our whole selves wholly to God and to others. It's a really serious thing to not be loving others as ourselves, to not love God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, with all you are. But look, if God marked our transgressions, if he, if he counted up the times that I've done this, then I wouldn't be here talking to you right now. To be honest, our church would be empty if we all got what we deserved. There's a psalm right back in the Old Testament, an ancient poem that goes like this. Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, who could stand? But with you, there is forgiveness so that we can, with reverence, serve you. If you marked our sins, if you counted them up and held them against us, who could stand before God? None of us. But with God, there really is forgiveness. The only reason that you and I are breathing right now, considering what we're like on the inside, is because God is really patient with us. Because there is forgiveness. There's time for you and me. Ananias and Sapphira, their time ran out. They got what they deserved. But you and I, well, God has been patient with us. God's given us this sermon today. God's given us this passage, this story to warn us and to say, come on, come back from that. Don't pretend. Don't be an Easter egg, empty on the inside and just nice looking on the outside. Don't be one of those fake football shirts that will melt as soon as you put it through the washing machine. Don't be somebody who's a hypocrite. But then we look at our lives and we go, yeah, I've done that. I've made myself look a bit tidier on the outside than I really am on the inside. Lord, would you have mercy on me? That needs to be our cry. Lord, would you be patient with me? Not until I've put myself right, because I can't put myself right. But would you be patient with me and, and forgive me because of what you've done for me in Jesus? See, that's the hope here, isn't it? The hope is to turn to God, as so many people do. They're seized with fear. They take God seriously. That's not a kind of terror that makes them run away from God. It's a kind of awe and sincerity and solemnness where they recognize that the lion of Judah, the king of the church, is not a tame lion. That he he's not safe, but he is good, as it says in the old stories. That we want to be people who come to him and say, Lord, you know what we're like. You see us. You see what we do in secret. You see how we conspire so often to be just like these people. Lord, would you be patient with us? Would you have mercy upon us? Would you help us to change? Would you help us to be the people that you've called us to be? Would you help us to be people who live in a house without ceilings and without walls? That's how somebody's put it. 
living in a house without ceilings. There's nothing cutting us off from, from God. There's nothing we're hiding from him. There's nowhere we're trying to, trying to pull the wool over his eyes and pretend we're better than we are before him. I want to live in a house without a ceiling. And I want to live in a house without walls. That There's nothing cutting me off from other people, that we're completely honest with each other, that we live and walk in the light. See, there really is hope for people like you and me. God is patient with us. And he says this in 1 John, little letter, you'll find it right towards the end of the New Testament. 1 John, it says, if we claim to be without sin, then we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. God is light in whom there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, but walk in darkness, if we build those walls, if we keep that ceiling in place, well, then the truth is not in us. We walk in darkness, but if we walk in the light, if you open your conscience up and say, Lord, this is what I'm really like, I made a mess. If we open ourselves up to others and say, this is what I've done, I'm a real mess. Would you ask, would you help me to change? Would you ask God with me to forgive me? Well, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, if we confess our sins, then he's faithful. He's just. He counts Jesus' work and Jesus' life and Jesus' death, counts that in our place. So all of our rottenness, all of our hypocrisy is swept away. All of that is gone. And he cleanses us from all unrighteousness and makes us his children, makes us people who can be like Barnabas, who can be full Easter eggs, solid all the way through to the middle, who can be solid shirts that last through the wash, who be people like Barnabas, who can be all in, who don't hold anything back, who don't pretend like we're more than we are, people who walk in the light. Don't you want to be that? Don't you want to be free from that burden of hiding yourself before other people? Don't you want to be free from that burden of pretending that you're more than you are? It's a scary thing to do, to admit that. It really is but it's the only way that we can have life. To admit that before God, to say, Lord, I'm, I'm much less than I pretend to be before others. I'm much less than I wish I really was. Would you help me? Would you fix me? Would you be patient with me? Would you be the one who brings me into a house where I don't have any divisions between you and me, between me and other people? Would you help me to walk in the light? Can that be our prayer today? Can that be the kind of church that we are, that we become? A place where it's safe for people to admit what they're like. A place where we don't conspire with one another, where we don't just try and make ourselves and our husbands, our wives, our friends look better in front of others than they really are. But where we're honest. So honest. Because we trust in God's restoring grace. We trust in his light that it's not going to burn us away, it's not going to wreck our lives, but it's going to put us back together again. That when we take up our cross and follow Jesus, that really is the place where you gain life where it feels like death, but where you actually come to life, where you leave Ananias and Sapphira behind, you leave that hypocrisy behind, you walk in the light, you become a Barnabas. Do you want to live like that? I want to live like that. I want to be a part of a community that lives like that. That's one heart, not divided, not hiding stuff from each other. See, falsehood divides fellowship, destroys it. But honesty puts it back together again. Light brings life. 
I want to be a part of that community. So let's pray together now. Let's pray that God would make us people of one heart, of one mind, where we're generously giving to each other, where we're giving all that we have to God, wholly devoted to him, and where we're giving all that we are to each other, wholly honest with each other. That will be a beautiful community to be a part of. Community that doesn't judge, community that doesn't cut you out, community that doesn't hide things from each other, a community of honesty, a community of devotion, a community of light. Let's pray. Lord God, we want to be like this. Lord, we want to hear the warning of the story of Ananias and Sapphira. Lord, we thank you this morning that you've been patient with us. Lord, we admit that we're so much like them so often, wanting to appear better than we are in front of each other, wanting to have things our own way, wanting to make ourselves secure rather than trust in you. Father, forgive us for that, we pray. Lord, did you help us to see how serious that is? Help us not to run away from you in terror, but Lord, to come before you in right fear, that we'd know the joy of being in your presence, of knowing you, that fierce lion of Judah, as the one who is our king, the one who fights for us, the one who looks us deep in the eyes and, and leads us into the light, leads us into cleansing and forgiveness. Lord, we want to be a community of people like that. So we pray that you give us the courage to be pray that you'd help us to walk in the light with each other, to admit our sins to each other and to you. And Lord, as we do that, we pray that you'd forgive, pray that you'd cleanse, we pray that you'd wash us, and we pray that you'd bind us together, one heart, one mind, one common pot, Lord, that we would be people who are generous, people who are doing what we can to love those around us. Lord, we pray that you'd make us people who love you with heart, soul, mind, and strength, that you'd help us to see what you've done for us in pouring your life out for us, Lord Jesus, so that we could share in your resurrection, so that we could share in your life. Lord, we want to be a people full of, a, um, full of light who are part of a community of light. So make us like that, we pray. Through the power of your spirit, because of the work of your son, for your glory, we pray. Amen.